I'll go home as a beggar and never be your wife. Hi, I'm not Mary. I'm Billy. And I'm Katie. And this is The Housewife Did It. True crime edition. You're doing great. Mary is out this week. I know, but we promised that regularly scheduled true crime programming would still be here. So You got me. We got Billy filling in. It's going to be great. I, I understand Welcome, if Billy. you just want to skip over this episode, that's okay. Do not encourage that. <laughs> Billy is my husband who I forgot to introduce last time. Right, yeah. But, so. Glad to be here. Yeah. Billy, do you know of any real-time true crime? Anything going on in the world that you think is interesting? Crime-wise? Um, mm, nothing like you guys cover. Could tell you all day about Donald Trump, but no, <laughs> no but, not uh, here. But not uh, no. All I'm right, not as prepared. Yeah, this was thrown at you very yeah. last minute. Yeah. All right, so we're going to start. Then we're just going to get right into it. It's a little different having my co-host right next to me, so we'll see how this goes. Telling you a true crime story, but right here. It's going to be just fine. <laughs> Let's get it. On April 9th, 2004, Louise Ogborn experienced sexual assault in her workplace, and the circumstances are nothing short of bizarre. She would come to find out that something similar had happened to close to... Okay. Close to 200. That's a lot. (laughs) To close to 100 other people around the country. That's still a lot. How had she experienced something so awful, yet no one could decide whose fault it was? That night, 18-year-old Louise Ogborn had agreed to stay late to work at McDonald's in Mount Washington, Kentucky, because they were slammed. Louise's acting manager that night was 51-year-old Donna Summers, the assistant manager of the restaurant. In the middle of the busy shift, Donna got a call in the back office from an officer, Scott, of the local police department. He informed her that he was on the phone with her regional manager and a disgruntled customer. The customer had reported that an employee had stolen money out of her purse. Officer Scott gave a physical description of the employee, asking if it sounded familiar to Donna. Donna said, actually, that sounds just like Louise, who's working right now. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, this description was like a young girl. Yeah, I was about to say, unless they... <laughs> a young white girl. Unless it turns out this person knows Louise, then I'm going to assume that it, yeah, it was pretty... Pretty general. Yeah. Donna is instructed to go get Louise and bring her back to the back to speak with the officer and find out what's going on. Once Louise is brought to the back, she vehemently denies taking anyone's money. Louise had never gotten into any trouble at work and definitely not with the law. Louise emptied her pockets and showed Donna the contents of her purse, but there was no stolen money. Officer Scott tells Donna and Louise that there are options. Are there? Yeah, not good ones. (laughs) The police force is really busy. So, they could use Donna's help. The police force in Mount Washington, Kentucky is very busy. You're going to deputize me? Am I getting a pay raise (laughs) from this McDonald's manager (laughs) shift? But, if Donna won't help or Louise won't let her then they will have to come down there themselves and arrest Louise, and she will have to wait in jail overnight. Okay. 
Okay. So. To which I say, come down here, you damn self. I was about self. to say, I would love to see you come down here, arrest me for the evidence that you will not find, and then you're going to look Also, silly. it's not like it was like 11.45 and like processing is over, so you'll have to wait overnight. Like, I'm pretty sure it's like... Middle of the day. No, it's nighttime, or, well, but it's okay. like not the butt crack of dawn, so right. why can't she get processed? Why she going to have to wait overnight? Stupid. Okay. Okay. But if Donna is willing, then she could really help the police force as well as make Louise more comfortable. Which is maybe a fair, like, argument to make. Like, she knows you, you're a woman. That, I think, (sighs) could appeal to people. It It could appeal to Louise. Louise might say, yeah, I guess if someone's gonna, like, well, we don't know what's happening yet. But if someone's gonna do this, like, I'd rather it be this woman that I know. Than the police. Donna was instructed that she would have to conduct a strip search on Louise to see if and where she may be hiding this customer's money. After much convincing from the police that her situation would be significantly worse if she refused, Louise eventually agreed to let Donna conduct the search. Mm-hmm. Donna Summers covered the office door with a garbage bag so that no other employees could see in. Officer Scott walked Donna through the rest of the protocol, reassuring her that she was being such a great help to police and that he was in charge of anything that happened there. He basically was like, if anything goes wrong, like, I take the blame. Which would help if Officer Scott were real. Yeah, alert. <laughs> Donna was instructed to have Louise remove all of her clothing, including her underwear. Louise initially covers herself with an apron that is in the office, but Officer Scott tells Donna that she needs to take Louise's clothes out to the car while they wait, and Donna was confused by this request. Yeah, as am I. But... Why would you leave your suspect alone to do anything well she's naked so what's she gonna do who cares i don't know do some crazy shit that's why he chain of command for the police like you gotta you can't just (laughs) leave these people alone well i think the idea was that we'll take her clothes because then she won't run away Mm because she don't want to run through a restaurant naked fine so the officer gave some explanations that made sense to donna Sure. And I'm not trying to shame Donna. I will. Um, but I don't know what explanations could have made sense. My guess is that it was something about Louise not being able to tamper with the clothes or not be able to take her clothes and run. I don't know, though. But he convinced her one way or another. Okay, simple, just quick aside. You are literally calling... Louise's place of work, which you haven't even really confirmed this is who the right customer's no, talking no about. Confirmation of that, but also, even if like that was the extent of it, don't you think that the place of work has like record of probably where Louise lives? Probably has that on like her employee file mm-hmm. that it's like, okay, she gets away, whatever. You didn't let. Ted Bundy number two go. Yeah. You let a She took a, a fifty dollar bill. Yeah, who who went home. You know where they're going. You know where they work. They'll come back. Here, we'll give you her first last social and address. What they drive. Yeah. Like uh, You'll be able uh, to find her. Okay. While all of this is being caught on surveillance camera, 
There is no audio. So it's unclear exactly what was being said to Donna. Donna is getting increasingly frustrated by this and asks the officer how much longer until someone's going to be able to come and either arrest or monitor or question Louise because she has a restaurant to run. Yeah. Louise is only there because they're so slammed. Her actual job that she's, again, yeah. not getting that They're slammed out money. the ass and now they got two employees in the back. Just. Not working. Yeah. What the fuck did I stay late for? Yeah. Causing an HR nightmare. <laughs> Oh, yeah, she, they are. Officer Scott asks if there's a man in Donna's life who she trusts who could come and watch Louise until the police are available. Which, again, why are they not available? Oh, my God, that's two people now. They've deputized two people <laughs> on the payroll. Well, it won't be someone on the payroll. Donna says she can call her fiancé, Walter Nix, to come sit in the office. Where is Louise's one phone call, by the way? This is She hasn't been arrested. Well, she... <laughs> she oh hasn't been God. charged with a crime. I also haven't seen a search warrant. Yeah, no. Once Walter arrived, Donna went back to work. So Louise was in the back office of her work with only Walter, who is still on the phone with Officer Scott. At this point, Louise Ogborn has been back here for hours. Or at least a couple. Maybe hours is dramatic. Sounds like like six, but I think it's been like two. Okay. Officer Scott tells Walter that he needs to have Louise bend over to check that she hasn't hidden anything anywhere. When a Walter is unable to find anything upon her bending over, Officer Scott instructs him to have her do jumping jacks and to jog in place to try to see if anything falls out of where it may be hidden. Again, it's like dollars, dude. It is not that serious. I'm not smuggling freaking also, crack cocaine. Like, chill out. Also, like, breaking but, my disbelief for just a second, even, like, a normal, like, police strip search, how long does it take? It doesn't take two hours. No. Even if, I, like, even if an actual police officer were to call me up and walk me through the process... Sure, it doesn't take two hours. And I'm fairly certain that they will not do half of the things that, no, that are I'm about sure to happen. Wouldn't. So, not, no, sh- I want to say no shame on Donna, but Jesus, Don- Donna, come on. It's, yeah, it's a little bit of shame. More shame is to come on Walter. While Louise is alone with Walter, she has been told that she is not allowed to have on the apron. But when Donna periodically returns to the office, she always puts the apron back over her body. And Walter, Officer Scott, nobody says, like, don't do that. But there is one instance in the camera footage where Donna does walk into the office to get into the safe, and she does walk past a fully naked Louise with Walter, but she does nothing before leaving the office again. So I put that in there because I think that, like, there will come up an idea that, like, maybe Donna didn't know what was going on once Walter was in there. We're gonna get... It's about to get more graphic. Um, so, like, I think there's a, a thought that, like, maybe Donna really didn't know what was going on. Like, she thought she's really just waiting there with herself covered, but we know that she did at least see that she is completely naked in front of Walter. So, 
like I said, it's going to get a little more graphic now. And as I teased in the intro, this won't be the only story that we are talking about. So be aware of what is to come. Officer Scott also instructs Walter to have Louise lay across his lap for him to spank her. Mm. I am unclear whether this was explained to be a punishment. Like, did he say to Walter, this is because she wasn't listening? Did he say to Walter, like, this will help you enforce authority? Like, did he say, we do this in the police force? Like, what? I don't know what... Or... Was it somehow explained that it would help him find the money? Like, I just, yeah. I don't know What's what explanation was offered to Walter. Yeah. In the movie adaptation, Compliance, it was presented as a way to get her to respect Walter's authority. But that is like authority an adapt. Yeah. But that's like an adaptation, not like a documentary. So mm-hmm. I don't really know for sure what was said to him. Yeah. However, this. Continued on for 20 minutes. Just the spanking? Yes. Okay. After this, Officer Scott tells Walter that Louise needs to sit on his lap and kiss him so that he can smell or taste any possible drugs or alcohol on her breath. Okay. To which I say, that is not what she's being accused of. Yeah. Hey, nobody said she was drunk or high on the job. I was about to say, again, for me to just... Even if, like, I'm Walter and Donna at this point, mm-hmm. if I'm suspending all disbelief, that is the point, like, that you cannot... I know, there are what? so many moments where you go, wait, that's when I would stop believing this. Wait, no, that's when I would stop believing this. Yeah. Oh, man. Officer Scott then told Walter Nix to have Louise Ogborn perform oral sex on him. For what reason? I am not sure. Walter Nix does this. And pretty shortly after, and in a bit of a hurry, he leaves the office. Mm-hmm. So, thoughts? Um, well, does no. Walter know... What is Walter thinking right now? Does he know he, Dude, fu- he fucked up? I feel like Walter has to. Like, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking, is like... Is Walter just kind of a scummy person and just, like, saw the opportunity and ran with it? That, like, oh, wow, you know, I don't know. That's, I, Walter's got some therapy sessions that need to happen. Yeah. So, because Walter left, Officer Scott is talking to Donna again. And he asks Donna who else could sit with Louise to continue waiting for police to come and do their job. Yeah. I, I, I was about to say also that, like, if I'm Donna at this point, I'm like, okay, my employee can put their clothes back on and mm-hmm. get back to work. You like, can come you, arrest them if you want, yeah. but, like, I got fucking burgers Get somebody to here. Serve. If you want me to continue this shit, you better get somebody here. Yeah. Or I can send her home for the night. Yeah. And you can meet her at her house. Yeah. This is not my problem I'll tell anymore. you where she'll be. Yeah. Donna brings in an off-duty custodian, who is an older gentleman, who I don't have the name of. He is handed the phone to continue discussing with Officer Scott. However, when the officer begins to give him instructions, he says, Hell no! (laughs) This is bullshit! Okay, I'm so glad somebody... And he said, this is not real. There's literally no way this is real. 
Yeah. And it is at this moment that Donna realizes this may be a scam. This might not be a police officer. Wow. Thank you, Mr. Custodian. Is Donna aware of the oral sex that happened between no. her and her fiancé? Well, like now, but at the time, no. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, the, I, yeah, the, she wouldn't. That's the Jeez. idea, yeah. So, they put in a call to the actual police department, which could have been done three hours ago. Seriously, dude, put them on hold, man. And, or uh, use your other fucking phone. Hey, do you have an Officer Scott there? Oh, God. They put in a call to the actual police department who came out to investigate. Detective Buddy Stump really could not believe what had just happened. Yeah. Or that anyone would believe the caller to the point that they did. Mm-hmm. Detective Stump also realized that he knew Louise. He was friends with her father. Oh, no. And he was so sad. I'm sure he was. He was... I mean, he was devastated because this happened to someone. To anyone, yeah. But in the, if you watch the docuseries, like, when he describes the moment he realized he knew her, and he says, I, like, looked at her and I said, Louise? He, like, starts crying. Sad. He tried to figure out the motive for a crime like this. One where the perpetrator is not even present for the crime. He started looking around to see if there were payphones that provided a visual of the McDonald's. And there was actually one with a pretty direct line of sight to the restaurant. But other than that, he didn't have anything further. What year is this taking place? 2004. Okay, so payphones may still be... The detective decided, I don't really know what else to do at this point. So, genius, I'm just going to Google McDonald's strip search. And he was shocked. When a whole bunch of results popped up. Just another thing you could have done, Donna. You could have Googled it. He found that someone who often used the name Officer or Detective Scott had been making these same calls to many different restaurants in at least 32 states. Count them. 32 out of 50. That's a lot. That's a lot of states. The calls had started in 1994, and detective years prior. Mm-hmm. God. And detective Stump found at least 73 cases. Oh my God! It seemed that the caller was targeting small towns. Uh, it's theorized that this could be due to like feelings about police and authority, or could be due to like the typical education level. Or even the fact that they would maybe have, like, a smaller awareness of national news. Like, they wouldn't see... It wouldn't make the news, you know? If I'm, like, an investigator from, Mm -hmm. like, Criminal Minds, uh, I'm going to throw this out here right now. Unfounded. This man is an inadequate, like, rent-a-cop. Who really wants the authority of an actual cop. Yeah. Well, it's also, like, in pretty much every case, employees were strip-searched. And the caller asked for detailed descriptions of their body parts. That same year... It looks like a nipple. Yeah. I'm like, what does that really mean? Like, yeah. it's a little darker than the rest of her skin. <laughs> I don't know. That same year in West Bridgewater, Massachusetts, a Wendy's received a similar call. 
Managers there had been convinced to strip search an employee after reports of theft. In fact, in Massachusetts, four different Wendy's received these calls in one night. Jesus. Luckily, in this case, someone thought to call to dial star 69 after the call ended to return to the last caller. The line was busy, but they were able to get the phone number. Ooh. Yeah, we wouldn't really know that skill. No. But star 67 is what we used to do to prank call people. What? To block the number. But if you someone calls you and you star 69, it takes you back to the number that just called you. I, yeah. Wow. And maybe I, it's only on like, wait, what? That's, that's some 90s wisdom that has <laughs> Yeah. Detective Vic Flaherty was able to find out that the number was attached to an AT&T prepaid calling card. Okay. After much negotiating, a representative at AT&T told Detective Flaherty that no one else knows this or can know this, but ever since 9-11, they are able to trace calling cards. Meaning, wait. Fuck privacy calling card the calling cards the prepaid calling card she was telling him like we can't trace it we can't trace where it came from but then she said like, actually, well, we actually since 9-11 we yeah, can thanks george <laughs> <laughs> she told him that the card had originated from panama city florida sounds about right yeah sounds like something a floridian would do yeah no offense to all the floridians <laughs> out there Detective Flaherty actually found out when he called the Panama City Police that they had been receiving calls for years that there was a hoax caller who was calling from their city. I was going to say, when when you said that they Googled it, yeah. I, I, I kind of thought to myself, like, okay, maybe this is just, like, a thing that, like, people did. Like, it, people from the deep web do, like, yeah, oh, you could totally true, get away right. with this. I, like, I didn't necessarily think it had to be I think it was just because the name, the Officer Scott, was, like, the sim- similar that, like... Yeah. He realized. But, yeah, I... That's what I always think is, like, man, if we could solve all cases by just Googling. Yeah. You know? The calling card used in the West Bridgewater call had been bought on February 14th at a Walmart in Panama City. So you go buy this card. You get it. You're getting this. The card part. Like a SIM card? Eh, it's like a... It's for like a prepaid, prepaid phone. It's like your minutes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes, it's Got your it. minutes. That's exactly right. Um, because he knew the time and date of the purchase, Detective Flaherty knew he just needed to check the Walmart surveillance from that time. Okay. He reviewed their footage on VHS, but it was basically impossible to make anything out. I'm sure. It was a little weird. Like it was basically like a bunch of really fast stills. Oh, and so, so he was like, what in okay. the fuck am I looking at? And, yeah. like, I can't figure anything out. It's like one of those cameras that only refreshes every, like, three seconds or something like that. So yeah, but it was, like, all the different angles. So it would, like, flash all the stills. So oh, it was, like, that's dumb. the tape was, like, all the cameras all in the building. Angles. Yeah. Oh, so he was so like, well, what am I looking at? Yeah. Eventually, Detective Stump and Detective Flaherty connect over their similar cases. Detective Flaherty tells him what progress he has made, and they start sharing information. Gotta love bringing people together. Yeah, Kentucky and Massachusetts. It's kind of cute. Yeah, it is. They were very cute. Little friends. They were able to also determine when and where the calling card for the Mount Washington call was purchased. I'm not totally clear on how they knew that number. 
if someone also star 69 in that case, or if they figured it out later, or if they just had caller ID. I don't know. I just know that they were eventually able to do that. Okay. It had been purchased at a different Walmart, also in Panama City, I think. Okay. <laughs> they called to see if they had video at the registers, because that's the other thing the other footage was lacking. None of the video was, like, over the checkout. It was, like, entrances, oh, exits, so it, and it was, it like, I can't check, still. I can't actually confirm that he bought it. Got it. So they wanted to see if they had any at the registers, hoping it would be easier to make out the footage than from the first Walmart. Sure. In pinning down the date and time that the card was purchased... They were able to find footage of a 30 to 40 year old white man who was heavy set, about six feet tall, with facial hair, and purchasing an AT&T calling card. What do you know? The video was shot from above, so it was difficult to fully imagine his face okay. without a direct angle. So Detective Flaherty decided to re-review the first Walmart's footage. Now, knowing generally who they were looking for, and he was able to catch a still of the same man entering the store. Okay. The quality was worse, but it was from the front. Using the two images, they were able to piece together pretty well what their collar looked like. In the full body images also, they noticed that he had a stripe or a braid on the side of his pants... That looked like a uniform. I feel... Okay. I'm feeling good about this. Detective Flaherty said, he's a cop. Like, he's a cop. He saw the pants and he said, he's got to be a cop. Oh, no. So, now, these two cases in 2004 made the most headway. But there were so many more cases, and thus, so many more victims of this crime. Or crimes. I don't know. In 1994, in Saybrook Township, Ohio, two minor females were strip-searched by their manager in McDonald's. Did I I ask how old Louise was? 18. Okay. I was... Jesus, dude. Which is almost like... I mean this... I don't mean this bad. Whatever. But it's almost like lucky Mm -hmm. for Walter and Donna and whoever. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like... I, I was about to say, like... No matter what the circumstances of the call is, at like, if you are asking me to do anything to a minor, absolutely not. Right. Let me get your parents here. I would say get the police actually physically here. You guys can do your job. Someone's gonna say this later, but I would say you're a cop and you don't know that it is illegal for me to put my hands on that minor. Absolutely not. You're tripping. In 1999, a Burger King in Fargo, North Dakota, received one of these calls. The manager at the restaurant did, like Walter Nix, end up slapping his 17-year-old employees behind. Also in 1999, in Blackfoot, Idaho, a Taco Bell received a call from an Officer Davis, which led to the manager strip-searching an employee named Elizabeth. Elizabeth was a minor at the time. She actually had a coworker step in and tell the cop on the phone that he should know better and that the manager should not be performing a strip search on a minor. Good for you. Thank you. I mean, thank you. Yes. 
Elizabeth's case, unfortunately, was not a priority for the police. What? <laughs> what? Probably. How is somebody posing as you not a priority? Maybe because that coworker caught it before, like, anything had... I, uh, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I see before it had escalated. But it's like, so? You don't want to... That guy could just call the next Taco Bell over. Yeah. And he probably will. Yeah. Probably did. Yeah. Um, in an especially bizarre case, out of Litchfield, Kentucky, in 2000... The caller convinced a manager that a customer in the restaurant was a suspected sex offender. He told the manager that police would like to use her as bait to catch the suspect and be able to come in and arrest them. The manager then stripped herself completely naked in front of the customer to attempt to bait them. Oh my god. What? Like, what? Like, did they at least, like, pull them into a separate room first? Or just, like, butt-ass naked in the middle of the restaurant? Yeah. What? (laughs) Because the point was... Also, I must say, I'm not trying to, like... Not... I I guess what I'm saying is, like, if you committed the crime of, like, indecent exposure, why are we gonna, like, penalize someone... Who's like, hey, you're naked right in front of me. Like, but also, like, what? they're like, we're trying to catch them be a sex offender. Like, you, what? You're being a sex offender. Like, you're yeah. being, <laughs> you're committing a sex crime. Oh and it's also like, what are they? Are they a dog and you're a piece of meat? Like, they're just gonna come. <laughs> oh my god, dude. They're gonna, like, honestly, if I were a sex offender and I was hiding from the police, that would be the biggest, like, yeah. Someone's trying to bait me. That's the biggest Chris like, Hansen moment I've ever like, seen. I'd be like, this would, is fake. I would book it. I'm not but, falling for this. Oh my god. <sighs> that one's weird. That's, oh my god, that's an extra level of And stupid. it's like... Where'd they work? That was, uh, I don't know. Okay. See. Just in Litchfield, Kentucky, though. Okay. But I also just think, like... Maybe he had tried that line on other ones and it hadn't worked, so we don't know. But like, wh- I, I wonder, wonder what why. made I wonder what made him switch to like instead of the power because I feel like part of it is like the power, like making someone with power make someone with less power uncomfortable and like strip searching them. So it's like that seems different to me yeah. to be like I'm going to tell this manager to strip naked. But maybe that felt better for him. Maybe he was like. If I can actually get a manager to be the one to, like, get themselves naked, like, that's more power. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, maybe he had tried that other times and they just were like, no. <laughs> God, man. Um, in 2001, in Indi- Also, I don't know how that ended. I'm guessing <laughs> that how it ended is no police showed up to arrest the sex offender and she said oh that's embarrassing i just got naked here for no reason (laughs) everyone looked at me like i was crazy or the customer called the police and said this manager is harassing me (laughs) get here now anyway in 2001 in indianapolis at a burger king a 15 year old employee was strip searched in a room where other staff could see oh my god which is like not only now a matter of 
like a sex crime against a minor, like I feel like you've also provided child pornography. I mean, yeah, to your other employees, a little bit. Like it feels that way. Yikes. In 2002, in Statesboro, Georgia, a Taco Bell received a call. 19-year-old Deborah was strip-searched by her manager. Deborah was also made to perform exercises like Louise Ogborn, and then the manager was instructed to rub her body to look for a green residue in her sweat to indicate contact with stolen money. What did I do? Steal the money and rub it all over myself? I stole money and stuck it in my pocket and it left a residue on my body? And you did not hear that and think... What kind of money is that? Yeah. That it, it secretes out your sweat glands after you touched it. Yeah. What is Which, it? like, I didn't... Yeah. Strange. It's not like it's just dye. Mm-hmm. The next year, at a McDonald's in Hinesville, Georgia, a manager brought in a 55-year-old male janitor to perform a cavity search on an employee to attempt to uncover hidden drugs. Lots of other calls were reported, and even more occurred that weren't reported in the 10-year time frame. In addition to fast food restaurants, other calls were made to Winn-Dixie's, Blockbusters, Applebee's, lots of places. It's not even just fast food. Yeah. God. Now, back to the case. Detective Buddy is on it. In Mount Washington, Detective Buddy Stump felt strongly that Walter Nix should still be held responsible for his own crimes, even while they tried to identify the caller. Thoughts? Um, yeah. I mean... If you don't know better... If, yeah. Then to not make an 18-year-old girl perform oral sex on you at the behest of a caller, like, then I... There's no helping you, man. People have gone to jail for more... For crimes that you could claim ignorance yeah. more, better on. I don't know how to say yeah, that. Yeah, Walter. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. It's, uh, it's, I was going to say it's sad to see, but it's not. Like Honestly, Walter, you did that. Like, it's sad for Louise. Yeah. Well, and it's like that's... But like still, like that's who her trauma and like her abuser is like going to be in her mind you know like she can't put a face to like this collar you know like this is who hurt her yeah walter nix pled guilty to his sex crimes and he was sentenced to five years in prison honorable enough that he pled guilty i guess at least i guess but he just wanted less years in addition to being added to the sex offender registry so i guess that's good Donna Summers was also charged with a misdemeanor charge of criminal confinement. Okay. She entered an Alford plea, which we know best from the Michael Peterson trial, meaning that Donna didn't admit to the crime, but admitted that the prosecution had enough evidence to possibly convict. She received one year of probation. Yeah, that one I don't know how I feel about. You think she should have more or less? I don't know. I think criminal confinement is a fair charge. Yeah. That I think she did do. Yes, for sure. I, you I, literally I, took this girl's clothes and made it to where she couldn't leave. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I feel like there is some 
other charge that maybe should be thrown in there for like a sexual nature but i mean i guess you could you could do like conspiracy to commit sexual assault yeah you know like like being a part of it yeah i think maybe yeah i think confinement is like a broad enough thing that like but you're saying you don't think she should have been charged at all or you think she should have been charged with more more than a year probation yeah, I mean, I I certainly don't think she deserved the same five years that Walter got, but so maybe I think a year of prison would have been justified. Um, I won't say that a year of probation is not, but like I don't know. Yeah. In Massachusetts, Detective Flaherty heard back from someone that they believed the stripe on the suspect's pants to belong to a corrections officer, okay. not a policeman. Uh-huh. It went down. It went down. It went down in Panama City. <laughs> it usually does. <laughs> he went down to Panama City to attempt to find the suspect at any of their correctional facilities. He doesn't know where. He just yeah, knows he's a corrections he officer. After a couple of misses. So he's just going in saying, do you know this guy? Um, he showed the man's photo to the staff at one facility, and they recognized him. It was David Stewart, husband and father of five. Of course it is. In fact, David Stewart was working right then. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> he sat down just like... When you described a small blonde girl and she happened to be working right then, Mr. David. How unfortunate for you. Jesus. They have a better description of you, David. They got your fucking picture, man, and that shit matches your pants that you're probably wearing at work right now. Yeah. Hey, I like that stripe, bro. Mm, That's pretty cool. Does it look like this guy in this picture right here? Oh, my God. He sat down with the detective to get interviewed, and David Stewart asked, was anyone hurt? And said, thank God it's over. But then, he denied buying the calling cards or making the calls. Okay. I think that's strange. That he denied it? That that you would say something that's like nearly a confession. And then you... Well, to say, thank God it's over. Oh. You don't think that sounds like something Um, a serial killer would say when they're finally caught and they're like, oh my God, I can stop doing this now. Not necessarily. Mm, whatever. Eventually, they were able to obtain a search warrant for David Stewart's home. Inside, they found police magazines and multiple applications for police academies. Okay. In one of Stewart's diaries, he wrote about doing part-time police work for a small force at one point in time. Okay, I think... So you're pretty spot on. I was on. about to say, I think at this point I can give myself a pat on the back for calling it. Mm-hmm. They also found a matching calling card of course. to the other ones that they had identified. Unfortunately, the DA in Massachusetts did not believe there was enough to convict of sex crimes, since technically all he had done is make phone calls. What? What? I'd say, like, isn't that like commissioning? I was about of, to say, of a, co- like, coercion to <laughs> commit. Lewd acts. Yeah, on an unwilling participant? Like, what? Yeah. Okay. But, 
In Mount Washington, after Detective Stump found out the caller's name and information, they went ahead with charging David Stewart with solicitation of sodomy and impersonating a police officer. At the very least, impersonating a police officer. Yeah, you I was couldn't about do to that. Say, right. I do have confusion surrounding the solicitation of sodomy charge because, from what we've heard, there wasn't any no sodomy. sodomy. Yeah. So I don't know if more happened to Louise than was reported on or if you can charge sodomy for like oral sex or for like other things like digital penetration or something yeah maybe Stewart hired a high profile (laughs) defense attorney Stephen Romines 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 I don't know who says that according to the statute it is not possible to commit sexual assault over the phone From what I found, it only says, quote, a person commits the offense of solicitation of sodomy when he solicits another to perform or submit to an act of sodomy. It does not say in person. I would say you can solicit over the phone. Yeah. So would phone bankers. (laughs) (laughs) Originally, David Stewart's bond was set at half a million dollars. But his defense attorney got it reduced to a hundred thousand and Stewart was released on bail. Stewart's criminal trial began in two thousand six. They entered evidence with the Walmart camera footage, Stewart's own words when being interviewed by Detective Flaherty, which Billy doesn't think were damning, so whatever. And his work schedule, which actually had him off of work at each time that one of the calls were made. Conveniently, the calls also stopped after 2004. Oh, my God. Okay, so I was going to say that, like, for a lot of this, like, I know it does sound like they have a decent amount of, like, physical evidence. Well, at least with the... I mean, digital. The camera. Sli- they've got the camera footage. They've got the uh, calling card. They could. Oh, never mind. I was going to say they could match his voice. They could only yeah. do that by, like, witnesses, but they the, could. Yeah. And then the rest is all, like, semi circumstantial. Mm-hmm. But this is the thing for me is that it's like people talk about, like, circumstantial evidence, like, being, like, not evidence. But, like, to me, it's like. A lot of the time, the simplest answer is the right one, mm-hmm. and it's like, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Yeah. Yeah, I said this to you one night. We were watching something, and he said, circumstantial evidence, like, if there's enough, can can be just, like, people think that without a reasonable doubt means you have to have physical evidence, and he said, if you wake up in the morning... And it's not snowing, but there's snow on the ground. That is circumstantial evidence that, that it snowed. snowed. It doesn't... You don't have <laughs> physical evidence that it snowed because you didn't watch it snow, but, like, there's snow on the ground. So it's like, this man is off work every single time a call is made. Yeah. He stops calling once you arrest him. He has the exact calling cards and bought them. So you're telling me the other guy who committed these crimes bought an AT&T calling card right behind David Stewart yeah. at the same Walmart at the same time, same day? Not possible. Like, it's not possible. So it's like, let's not be silly here. Yeah. And we haven't gotten to it yet. I'm sure maybe it's coming. Um, But I would also be willing to bet that of his 
what, 73-ish victims at least, uh, you're probably going to get at least a few of them who would be willing to testify, like, yeah, that's the voice I heard. Yeah, and, like, it would mostly be the managers, but, like, you don't think Donna Summers or Walter Nix would make a fucking deal? A deal? Yeah, Yeah. they would. You you hit those managers and you say, we're charging you if you don't come up here. Yeah. Then they will. However, David's defense argued that he had an irrefutable alibi... Which was his wife. His wife. His wife. That's, who's legally not obligated like, to testify against That's literally him. a part of the law. It's like your yeah. spouse and your lawyer yeah. do not have to, like... Uh, I would say that is the most refutable alibi yeah. that I've ever heard of. Jeez. But the jury did not agree with me. Because at the end of the trial, David Stewart was found not guilty. Oh, that's trash. In fact, criminally, only eight people... The managers and Walter Nixes of the world were ever charged in these over 100 phone calls. Is that a current statistic? Yes. From when I did this research. He's still not in jail? No. Oh my god. Okay. (laughs) I'm really I'm calling someone. (laughs) You can't... I mean, unless Massachusetts or another state had tried to try him after, but I mean, they did not, evidently. Now, are you ready to move on? Because that's all I got on the criminal. He didn't go to jail. Okay. He get to go back to his life with his wife and his five kids. Have you gotten your anger out? I don't know. Hopefully. Okay. Unless she believes he didn't do it. Because she's his irrefutable. If she divorced him, if she divorced him, would it be like admitting that you're not his alibi? (laughs) Uh oh. Get a divorce and then testify. Yeah. Now, next, there were some civil suits brought forward. Okay. Out of Statesboro, Georgia, Deborah attempted to sue the franchise and her manager. The opposing attorneys attempted to get access to Deborah's therapy records, likely in an attempt to intimidate her or find material to use against her. Eventually, this did cause Deborah to decide that it was not worth going through the trial given what she would have to go through and relive, so she dropped the case. The judge said, quote, Lessons learned are usually expensive. At great expense, hopefully the plaintiff has learned to think for herself. I think that's very fair commentary. Nope, he means the victim. Oh, wait, what? He means the victim. He doesn't mean the manager. He means Deborah. He hopes that Deborah has learned to think for herself. Which means what? That she didn't take her clothes off? Like, yeah, I guess technically they weren't ripped off of her. But, like, is that what that means? That, like, even though her manager and the supposed cop is telling her to do this, that, like, it's her fault? Absurd. That's ridiculous. Absurd. Did they say that about her manager? What's the manager's great expense? Yeah. The lessons learned are usually expensive. (sighs) Fuck off. Louise Ogborn, you'll be happy to hear, sued McDonald's, the corporation, for $200 million. She wanted acknowledgement of their culpability in the incident. 
She hired an old father as her attorney, who was notorious for being a fierce litigator. Allegedly, McDonald's was sending staff out to intimidate witnesses in this case. McDonald's was dirty. Allegedly. They did. (laughs) Their claim was that they had very little information about the calls, and thus could not have prevented them from happening. Okay. Okay. We're, we're with you, McDonald's. It's a valid argument. We're with you. Okay. But an old father was able to prove that McDonald's had known about many previous calls and did not inform their staff. Mm. In fact, they had already settled six similar cases and filed files showed that they knew of more than two dozen. Okay. Yeah, McDonald's, you're, you're dirty. When they were required to release these materials to Louise's team, they provided 16 boxes of material right before the trial that day, leaving no time for Old Father to review the boxes. However, it actually kind of helped prove the point when Old Father simply showed the jury how uh-huh. much material there was, considering McDonald's claim of ignorance. Yeah. So she literally said, first of all, they did me dirty because they didn't give me enough time to read it. But truthfully, I don't need to read it. How Look did, at those boxes. How, did that, how does that happen? The discovery process is supposed to allow enough time for each side to go over the evidence. How, People how postpone to all hell. Like, they'll be like... We're getting it. We're getting it. Like, it's taking a while to get... And, like, nowadays, they have to, like, digitize records. Yeah. And sometimes they'll have to black out names. So, it's just, like, they postpone and postpone and postpone. Or maybe they say, we couldn't find them. We just found them. I don't know. But genuinely, my <laughs> question is, how hard is it to order every restaurant in your chain to just put a warning next to the phone? For a while, I worked at a place... That received a good bit of negative attention. And we had multiple warnings by our phone. One with instructions on if we ever received a bomb threat. And one had a specific person's picture. And they said, this person will show up here. This is what you should do. It would not be hard to send an email and say, print and post this by the phone. Yeah. Do do, Do not talk to cops through here. Yeah. Or, like, the guy had claimed that he was on the phone with her regional, Donna's regional manager, put, the regional manager will not call you with a cop. No. Oh, no. Or ask for a code word. (laughs) Like, come on, anything. McDonald's also tried to imply that Louise was in on the hoax and had orchestrated it from the beginning for money. Her and 100 other people across the country. McDonald's. That's, uh, That's wild. The custodian, the same one who eventually ended the call, in Louise's case, and said, this is not true, testified that he heard Louise say that she was going to get a bunch of money while he was in the back office. I'm honestly not going to lie. If I'm in Louise's position in that moment, I'm going to be saying to myself, like, y'all motherfuckers are... That's what I said. I'm about to sue all of you. I said, first of all, that's dirty, Mr. Custodian Man, because you were, like, on her side, and you knew that this was wrong. So, like, that's dirty for you to testify to that. But, second, even if that is true, say he's just... Telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Yeah. Who cares? She just got... Assaulted in her workplace. Assaulted and is standing there naked in the moment that you said, this is not even real. And her manager said, oh shit, this isn't real. We should call the police. 
in that moment, I'm looking at all you bitches and I'm going, oh, fuck all you. Yeah. I'm suing. And McDonald's is a big corporation, so I'm saying I'm going to make some money off of this. Absolutely. It doesn't mean she was going to make money from Someone the beginning. Makes just spilling some hot coffee on their, their crotch. I, yeah, I'm going to get yeah. mine from this. Or, next question. Did McDonald's succeed in intimidating witnesses? Absolutely. And they got to the custodian guy and he made that up. I mean, uh, uh, possibly, maybe. I mean, we Paid don't him know. him on the side. Maybe we should look at his uh, bank record. They but. said, just say that she wanted money. That's it. That's all you gotta do. We'll put you up on an island somewhere, bro. Yeah. Free burgers for life. <laughs> McDonald's also claims that it could be considered false imprisonment could not be considered false imprisonment because Louise was not being physically restrained, even though she had no clothes, no okay. phone, and no car keys right. at this point. Well, and she's also, like, that's so stupid. She's being told by her superior at work, which I assume at which point, like, she's going to be threatened with either jail time. Or at least being fired. Or but... being, yeah, losing her job. So it's like, maybe, yeah, she wasn't being physically restrained, but I think getting her boss involved i say the threat of like you will be physically you will be arrested and kept overnight (laughs) is like pretty damn close to physical restraints you will be arrested and kept in a cell overnight and it will not be good for you yeah and you took her car keys and her clothes so then she runs to the restaurant now she got a public indecent public in public exposure public indecency charge Uh, and she got no car The judge allowed the three-hour surveillance video to be played in its entirety before the jury. With her performing oral sex on Walter Nix. With him spanking her for 20 minutes. All of it played for the jury. In the end, Louise Ogborn won her civil suit and was awarded $6.1 million. Not 200, but not bad. Louise Ogborn was the first... She's still sitting... Louise Ogborn was the first to even make it all the way to a trial, let alone to win. Which I guess gave Donna Summers an idea. Oh my god. Because next, she sued McDonald's for $50 million for failing to warn her about previous hoax calls at their restaurants. Okay, I don't want to say that Donna is not partially a victim in this. Yeah. She is. Her. Walter is But like I feel like I would carry victim. so much guilt that I would be yeah, like not I would not be yeah trying to able oh, to make money. But absolutely. maybe not. Maybe like maybe she's like, dude, I've had a year of probation. I now can't get a job. My name's everywhere. Yeah. All because you failed me and like she was already barely in middle management before yeah. she was a manager at a McDonald's. Like she probably wasn't the most hireable person to yeah. begin with. But it's also like really like sad I think maybe not sad isn't the word but like disappointing for me like all she would have like the guy says he has a regional manager on the phone like I just don't get you couldn't say like you couldn't call your regional manager couldn't call the police you couldn't just like check hey before I do any of this do any of this yeah I'd really be happy to help but before I do that like I need to cover my own ass. Yeah. I need to follow protocol. Like, let me call my manager. Or can you add him to this three-way? Can I hear his voice? Anything. Yeah. Summers was awarded $1 million. Measly. Didn't deserve <laughs> even a dime of that. 
Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, she maybe could have gotten, like, a salary amount. Like, 30 grand. Yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not talking millions of dollars. Like, no. Even a million dollars. No. We're talking less than 100K. Yeah. Many people have wondered how this could happen. Especially how it could happen so many times. How could someone believe this or do this to another person? A lot of people point to the Milgram study, which was a study on obedience, where one person was instructed to administer electric shocks to someone that they could only hear. Even when they could hear the person in excruciating pain, they would continue to increase the shocks at the direction of the instructor. In fact, 65% of the people continued to deliver the shocks after someone screamed, cried, and begged them to stop. The people receiving shocks were actually fine, and they were actors, but the point remains. So, if you think about it this way, the caller, allegedly David Stewart, had had to have had some failed attempts on on these calls. People who didn't believe it. People who immediately were like, this is stupid. Yeah. So, maybe he's at a 65% rate. As well. Yeah. And maybe 65% of the population will administer harm to others in an effort to be obedient to authority. What a sad ending. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. I I cannot believe that man's not in jail. I mean, I guess he could be for something else. (laughs) Who knows? Which I do still think, like, he didn't go to prison, but... Why did he stop? Like, just because he had been caught? Because it's like a lot of people, like... Yeah, but a lot of people, when you have this, like... Burning urge. Right, like, like you would keep doing it, and so... Or, like, in some way, right? But he said, like, so glad this is over. Mm. Which, again, you don't think means anything. But I feel like, oh, thank God I've been caught. I see your, your point on that. And, like, how it comes across suspicious. I think I would need to know the context of the rest of the conversation to be able to... But what to... would be over? I Okay, that's a fair point, I guess. The interview had just started. Yeah. <laughs> and he had never met Detective Flaherty. Okay. Well, see, that's the context I needed. I didn't realize it was at the very beginning. Well, I don't know if it's at the very okay, beginning, well, but it wasn't, like, as Detective Flaherty was leaving. I guess Thank God right. this interview is over. Right. To say, like, okay, it's over, like... Yeah, I guess does lead to the idea that like What's th- over? this won't happen anymore. Right now that and he y'all was right, it so didn't close. happen anymore. Yeah. So it like seems. Yeah. But again, I don't know that the not guilty means they don't think it was him. No, they, yeah, the not guilty just, means they don't know that they can charge they that they can send a man to prison for win. a crime that he yeah. didn't. Well, I mean, it would have been the jury. The jury is who said not guilty. Yeah. So they could have won by just doing that, but it means they don't agree. That he committed a crime of sexual assault yeah. or sodomy or whatever, since he was not physically there. Yeah, I was gonna say the law is just too broad. To but be that's able fine. To then I would like to see the Massachusetts DA bring charges against the manager. If the problem is you can't commit crimes over the phone, then why aren't we charging the person who committed the crimes? Yeah. In real life. I also kind of like at the beginning of the or like halfway through actually I thought like. Oh, this is like a crime of the modern age or something like that. Like, but like in 2004, it's not like we haven't had phones for decades. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yep. God, yeah. Imagine 
Like, I was going to say, imagine how much worse, but I think there's so much more, like, fact-checking that could be done today. You could just literally put them on speakerphone and Google. Yeah. Uh, or, <laughs> yeah, you can just, like, I don't know. I think people are more, like, aware. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, if I can't even expect, like, Amazon to send out my password know, or something right? through a text message, there ain't no way a police officer is going to ask me to do a cavity search over the phone. Yeah, because it's like, the risk is, what if I am a sex offender? Yeah. Or what if I am a predator? And you just said, I trust you, I've never met you in my life. Yeah. But I trust you to act as a police no, you should not trust me. You really... You, you don't, don't know you me. You don't know me. Like, stop. You don't know Walter Nix. You said, Donna, get a man you trust. You don't know Donna. Yeah. What you, if all the men she trusts are you stupid? Trust me, you trust my judgment? Like, you trust in my husband, my fiance's judgment. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Ridiculous. All right, any burning thoughts? Questions? Um, feelings? No, I mean, dude deserved to be in jail. David did? Yeah, Donna did not deserve her million dollars. Louise deserved more than her 6.1 Yeah, McDonald's could have forked out way more than that. McDonald's is dirty as hell. Yeah. That's about it. That's about what I got. You feel good about Walter? Five years for Walter? Yeah. Sex offender registry? I think that's, yeah, I think that's a reasonable thing. Yeah. Hate it for him, but he, he took the bait. Yeah. And unfortunately, but maybe fortunate for them, because then it's not public, but fortunately there are about 90 other people that I don't know the names of that suffered from these crimes. Yeah. But maybe they're glad that their names aren't in the news. But they're not getting $6 million. No, but, I mean, she didn't get $6 million for having a fun time. That's true. She got $6 million for suffering. That's true. I can't even. I just can't Uh, even imagine. I was thinking, well, this week, no one's dead. But then I was like, but damn, it's 100 victims? 100 living victims. Yeah. I don't want to say that's worse, but, like. But it's bad. It's not good. It's, It's another kind of bad. Yeah. All right. Well, signing off. That's all we got. Thanks, Billy. Yeah, thanks for, for hanging. Having me. It was a good one. Did you have fun? Yeah, it was, it was great. Billy, not, didn't, gr- not great. Well, don't quote me on that. But Billy didn't think he would be suited for a true crime episode. No. But I think you were great. Thank you. Bye. Bye.